0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Worker Being podcast. We are taking a small hiatus to regroup around some exciting things that will be coming to all of you very, very soon. In the meantime, we will be re-airing some of our favorite interviews with our favorite badass women just in time for Women's History Month. As always, you can find us on our website in the meantime at workerbeing.com, you can email us. Contact at WorkerBeing.com, and you can join our brand new community to have deeper conversations about workplace wellness at WorkerBeing.com slash community. Enjoy the awesome interviews we have scheduled for you, and we'll talk to you all soon. Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the WorkerBeing podcast. Today, I'm so excited because we are being joined by Emily Aries. She's a speaker and the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. She's also an author. She just wrote this great book that I um, got to see her on her book tour and read it. And I really, really enjoyed it. It's called Bossed Up, A Grown Woman's Guide to Getting Your Shit Together. Emily does a great job translating research into very, very approachable terms. um, Something that Katina and I, I think, can really learn from her. So thank you so much for joining us, Emily.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm a big Worker Being fan, so it's a delight to join you on the podcast.
0: Well, we're very excited. Do you have anything else you want to share in terms of your background, kind of high level, before we dive into some some more about Bossed Up and your journey?
1: Yeah. Well, the only other thing I just thought of, actually, is if you are currently listening to this podcast in your Apple Podcast Player, look me up. I have a podcast called Bossed Up. That's B-O-S-S-E-D. Up And every week we produce two episodes with tips and strategies and interviews to help you level up across work, love, and wellness. So just an idea for our podcast pals to subscribe while yeah. they're at it. Yeah.
0: That's
1: we love your podcast.
2: <laughs> it's awesome. Um, and uh, we'd love for you to tell our audience, uh, if they're not familiar, a little bit more about Bossed Up and what
1: your mission is uh, as an organization. Totally. So at Bossed Up, I really set out back in 2013 when I started the organization to create a training company and also an online community for women navigating career transition. Now, our mission is not just to help women earn more and grow their power, although I'm a fan of both of those things too. Our mission is to help women craft happy, healthy, and sustainable career paths because I had a special eye towards avoiding burnout uh, when I set out to start Bust Up because Turns out this was the organization and community that I needed a few years earlier on in my career. I hit the ground running back in 2009, graduating with a fancy political science degree and having studied cognitive science as well, Um, always fascinated by how we make individual choices in our own minds and how those choices add up to our collective choices as the body politic and vice versa, right? How those collective choices constrain our own. And I rose really fast as a political organizer and digital strategist, helping win campaigns. I was the youngest state director for newly elected President Barack Obama. And by all intents and purposes, everything looked great on paper until I completely burnt out before the age of 25. So when I started Boss Up a few years later, it was really for women like me who wanted not only to... Be ambitious and strategic, but figure out how to sustain that ambition over the long term.
0: Which is really what drew me to you. Everything you've described, um, you know, I listened to you when you were um, back on Stuff Mom never told you. Told, why am I blanking on the last word?
1: Told you got you. it. Stuff Mom yes. never told you. Yeah, it's a it's a mouthful. It's it's a total mouthful. But yeah, it was Wait, such a delight to work. co-host that for a while. <laughs>
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so that's when I heard about Bossed Up, and I really thought that your journey was very interesting and very much aligned with, obviously, all the things that Katina and I are interested in, the research around wellness and burnout and how to avoid that and make organizations and work environments that are healthy and friendly towards employees so that they don't get to that state. So everything that you talked about in terms of why you were building Bossed Up was um, really exciting to me because I wanted to... Get to know more about what your thoughts were there and how you were managing it, and what your your message was. And it's very much aligned with with worker being and what our message is. And so it's really exciting to see all the cool things that you've been able to do with that. Um, with that, my question for you is, what were your biggest learnings? So, as somebody that's gone through this experience of being sure. really burnt out and then having to shift, what it what are the biggest learnings that you would share with somebody?
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting, right? I mean, I mean, unfortunately, this topic is so relatable because it's so prevalent. It's really hard to identify burnout when it's everywhere, when it's become the norm in so many workplaces. It's like asking a fish to talk about water. (laughs) You know, like we're swimming in it. It's everywhere. It's hard to see it when it's omnipresent. So I remember for me personally, I had gone from being a college athlete to spending three years working so hard that I felt like I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't take time off. I wasn't that kind of a woman. You know, I thought of myself as as having been so identified with my career and my identity was so wrapped up in achievement and working really hard and priding myself on, frankly, martyring myself for the cause, for the campaign, for the people I loved – that I kind of wore burnout as a badge of honor, which so many of us are conditioned to do. So the first thing I learned was that it is, in fact, possible to both be the kind of woman who takes a selfie from her yoga mat and makes herself a smoothie (laughs) and be a badass, high-achieving, high-earning, powerful woman. Like, turns out they can be one in the same. And it took me acknowledging uh, and actually, frankly, giving myself permission to, to use a cliche sort of example, put my oxygen mask on first, not only <laughs> to be better able to help others, but also because we deserve some f-ing oxygen. I don't know if I can swear on this podcast, but like, <laughs> that's fine. We deserve oxygen too. And so really pushing back on the martyrdom mindset, which is something I spend quite a bit of time talking about in my book. That I think a lot of us, as women in particular, are conditioned to care for others uh, before caring for ourselves, and frankly, that's a nice characteristic. I'd love to see more men embrace, but um, to also see self-care as a strategic choice for one's career, not as this zero-sum game uh, that so many of us are taught to to think of it as. So the first big shift for me was. Letting go of this martyrdom mindset and seeing sustainable success as the thing to aim for. Not short-term profits, not short-term gains, not short-term career success. Like, what is the actual point if I'm just going to burn out three weeks from now, three months from now, three years from now? how can I put myself on a trajectory for long-term strategic growth?
2: Yeah. And I think that's really awesome to be thinking about shifting that mindset because what we see in the research on burnout as well is exactly what you're pointing to, that there can be whole cultures of overwork that exist within organizations where people actually compete to be the person that's working the most. Even if they're not being the most productive, it's like, it's not even about outcomes sometimes. It's about the appearance of doing the most, of running the hardest, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and also uh, with women in particular, uh, you know, feeling like it's not okay to raise your hand and say, you know, I'm done with, uh, you know, giving to other people or I'm done with giving to this organization I need to give back to myself. And it's kind of like being in a bad relationship. Like totally. uh, if your orientation is that you want to just give and give and give then you're, you're not ever looking to receive from anybody. So right. you're not able to sort of replenish that. So I love that uh, sort yeah. of mentality, and I think people can benefit from kind of calling that out. Um, how have you seen that shift in mindset affect your own wellness journey? Like what kind of concrete mm. changes have you made to your uh, kind of daily structure that have helped you to support that shift?
1: Yeah, well, interestingly, I think I realized early on in my career that, it's really hard to be your own mirror. (laughs) It's really hard to identify your own unconscious habits. Like, who can do that? Um, And so I benefited early on by seeking out support in in the form of cognitive behavioral therapy. And I don't even explain that as explicitly as I wish I had in the book. Because there's still such a stigma around therapy, although I think Gen Z is getting this right. Gen Z is in therapy at higher rates than any other generation. And I think that that's smart. I think it's it's part of our primary care to have mental wellness be... You know, part of our regimen. So, I'm actually recently got back into therapy just because I'm navigating some big life transitions right now. And if you are listening to this and identify yourself as someone who's going through some transitions, who could benefit from someone else who is a licensed practitioner who can hold up that mirror to you and help you see your unconscious habits and how they might be manifesting and how those habits may or may not be setting you up for success, I highly recommend. Seeking it out. And let me just acknowledge it is hard to find a therapist in our mm-hmm. insurance sort of system, that, especially if you want to use your insurance that you're paying for, which I certainly do. I am a highly educated, very privileged woman, and it took me like four months to get into a therapist's office. So it is hard to do, but it is so worth it. And once I was able to identify the unconscious uh, martyrdom mindset that I frankly had inherited from my wonderful, loving martyr of a mother who is a (laughs) professional caretaker in that she's a labor and delivery nurse and a personal caretaker in that she had four children. I'm number two of four over the course of like 12 years. Um, Five if you count my dad because the way she cares for him is almost in that (laughs) that same vein. And so I was really able to work with a therapist to say my habits are coming from a place that doesn't actually align with my goals. And getting really clear about my career goals enabled me to say no for the first time, no to that job opportunity, which was a great opportunity, a leadership opportunity, but it wasn't great for me. I didn't want to be a big fish in a small pond and stay in Rhode Island where I'd been organizing for almost three years and be an executive director of a statewide organization there. I chose to go to Washington, D.C. to be a small fish in a bigger pond. And it was important for me to have space to say, there is no right answer for your career. There's only what is right for you with the information you have. In the time that you have it, that enabled me to put up boundaries when it came to leaving a really toxic relationship that I found myself in, which I don't think we talk about often enough, and how much our relationships and our personal lives impact our career choices. Um, mm-hmm. But it, you know, I'd gone from that achiever mindset, that perfecting, performing, pleasing mindset that is beaten into us in higher ed and, and really in our entire academic lives. So thinking, I don't want to get an A in this relationship. This relationship is not giving me an A. So why am I trying to not fail in a relationship I don't, frankly, feel served by anymore? Um, And and my partner at the time had a lot of stuff he had to work out on his own, that I wasn't there to save him. And it really helped me put up boundaries and be an advocate, not just for the president, not just for the policies I cared about, but an advocate for myself and for the vision I had for my life and to let go of pleasing everyone all the time is a really hard thing to do, especially for the highest achievers amongst us. But it is a critical early step to set the boundaries we need to prioritize our vision for our lives and align our lives with our core values. I don't know if that answered your question, but that, was, that I, I'm going back to the beginning of like how hard it was to really transform initially.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. And I do love um, you bringing up therapy because it is really hard and, you know, finding that support wherever you can is critical and going to therapy if you need it is, you know, even more critical, like we don't talk about it enough I totally agree with you there um and it is really hard to find a therapist I've had a lot of friends come to me asking questions and you know Katina and I have psychology backgrounds not clinical psychology but um they're always asking about like credentialing and yeah do I know if the school was good and things like that so you know for anybody listening that's really desperate to find somebody and has no idea what to look for I mean feel free to reach out we can try to help you point you in the yeah. right direction because that is really important to try to find the right person and the right fit for for your therapist
1: um and it's totally worth it. You know what I mean? Like, it's important to remember that the effort and energy it takes to set yourself up for sustainability, there's an upfront cost, no doubt about it. But that upfront cost of time, energy, effort is so worth it. You know, we have to keep advocating on our own behalf. We have to keep fighting, even though no one else is going to hold us accountable. No one else is going to check on you to make sure you're doing what you need to do to be sustainable. So it's, it's an important mm-hmm. thing to note that it's not going to be easy, even though it might be simple. You know, I need support. I That doesn't mean it's going to be easy to achieve. And for those of you who might not want to seek out those kinds of mirrors in the form of a therapist office, that's also totally fine. I have a theory in my book called Mirror Theory, which essentially boils down to surround yourself with people who reflect back to you a better version of yourself than what you see on your own, even if that person isn't necessarily – an actual therapist like if you're surrounded by people who reflect back to you your anxieties your fears your deepest worries your biggest insecurities stop standing in front of those mirrors don't give them your time of day right go seek out some better mirrors and ditch the fun house mirrors that make you feel warped um and not you know and don't reinforce the vision you have for who you want to be
0: yeah, in terms of the the mirrors, like I totally agree. You know, we talk a lot on the podcast about support systems and different episodes around the research and finding, you know, coworkers that support you or people outside of work if you don't have those coworkers. Um, but it's critical to have people that can accurately reflect back on yourself. So not yeah not just the positives but kind of everything in an accurate way. Um, Because I totally agree that if you're surrounding yourself with other people that are doubting, you're doubting you or doubting, you know, your ability, you know, for example, with worker being, you know, we set out and we decided to start this just like you did with bossed up. And I'm sure you had people that would tell you maybe this isn't the best idea. Are you sure it's going to work? And you're kind of critical of it. And then you have the other friends that are like, okay, that's an interesting idea. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And get really excited. or your cheerleaders when things are going well? So I think those are the type of people that you want to find to support you, to cheer you on, um, but also kind of give you that realistic perspective without discouraging you just because they think it's unrealistic or probably because they feel
1: they couldn't do it themselves. Yeah, totally. There's this great book called Finding the Feedback You Need from Sheila Heen over at Harvard. Um, I actually had her on an early episode of my podcast, and it totally flipped the script for me when it came to feedback. Oftentimes, we show people what we're doing, or we tell people about our plans, and then we just wait for the praise or the criticism to, to roll in. And she takes a much more active and nuanced approach to thinking through, what is the feedback I need, and how can I be proactive about seeking it out? And basically telling my friends, hey, I'm really excited about this. Here's my plan. Tell me if you think people would actually pay for this or not. Or tell me what you think would be critically important to make this a worthwhile endeavor for people f- tuning in virtually. You know, like get really specific about asking for the feedback you need and consider your audience and who you're going to for that feedback, too. So her episode and her book were really interesting, not only professionally, but personally in thinking through how to get and receive feedback that can help you grow.
2: Yeah. And I would imagine that's helpful, not just in the work domain, but also in the life domain. Like there are a lot of different decisions that people have to make as their career unfolds, not just around what kind of career moves they want to make, but also how does that affect family? How does that affect uh, their plans uh, for, you know, partnering or having children or not having children or whatever? Um, And sometimes, you know, having all different kinds of perspectives I would imagine to bounce these kinds of ideas off of not just like, Hey, what about a career move? But also like, Hey, I'm considering that I might not want to have children. Like, right. What do you think about that? Knowing me and knowing, uh, you know, the kinds of person that I am or the kind of relationship that I have, like, do you think that there are things, other things I should think about priority, whatever, just getting feedback from people. It seems like uh, sometimes we forget or neglect that other side of things more easily than the work
1: aspect of things when you're career focused totally and it's like it's such a false dichotomy to think that they're not all interconnected (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and I I think people are very hesitant to weigh in with thoughts some people are too hesitant and some people are way not hesitant enough (laughs) about weighing in with their (laughs) opinions on your life choices but it feels to me like there's already a public narrative there's already a script that many of us are aware of like oh if you're not married by 30, what's going on with you? Or, oh, if you don't have kids by a certain time, what's wrong with you? And I think this wave of feminism in particular is about making those personal choices on your own timeline. And obviously biology is not something we can always negotiate with, but being critically aware of our choices as it relates to this the right way, you know, the scripted way, is cause for a lot of stress for folks. And I think now, especially in thanks, frankly, to the advocacy um, in other civil rights movements, right, in, when it comes to marriage equality in the LGBTQA community, I think there's a, a lack of rigidity that some of us are coming into when it comes to scripting our own lives that is really refreshing (laughs) I almost dropped my second f-bomb of the of the interview there but I've decided to withhold but it is refreshing right to say it's not about making the right choice or acing motherhood or acing marriage or acing relationships it's about what is serving me what is sustainable for me what is going to lead to the maximum not just achievement but overall well-being for me and i think that's the movement we're all a part of and it's a really exciting time that corporate america is actually paying attention to and seems to care about that movement Mm -hmm. for the first time in a really long time
0: (laughs) Right. I mean, everything that you're saying, that whole theme of on your in your work, right? You don't need to necessarily follow the career path that you think makes the most sense based on what other people have done. Same with your life. It's figuring out what makes the most sense for you and whether that's through therapy or through conversations with your friends or searching for the right answer. Um, it doesn't have to be a linear Progression right. within an organization or a specific job. Maybe you bounce around to different types of jobs. Maybe you go to consulting and then go internal for something. Then you start your own business and you go back to a company. Like you could just kind of do whatever you want, and that's okay. And I yeah. think people are becoming more and more comfortable with that um, as you know, the new generations are kind of coming in. And I've been very lucky to see a lot of support from older generations that maybe didn't do that. Um, In my own personal experience, I know that's not always the case, but I think it's important just to have these conversations so that you know that whatever you think makes the most sense for you, you should do that. You know you, you're working through that and make sure that you're happy and that um, will lead to overall wellness, right? We know that passion for your work and passion for what you're doing is related to wellness. Um, And that's obviously everything that you're working on with helping people transition and go through these career moves
1: um, helps them find their passion and be able to relate that back to their wellness. Totally. It's interesting, right? Because acknowledging that only you are responsible for forging that path is daunting for a lot of folks. Because I know plenty of people who don't feel passionate about their careers, but feel really passionate about their lives outside of work. And I think that's perfectly sustainable for keeping burnout at bay. But feeling no passion, you know, feeling no purpose, that is a fast track to burnout. If you don't feel a de- or derive a sense of purpose, not even necessarily from whatever yields your paycheck, but from your existence on this planet. That may be part of what's leading to these global epidemics in rising rates of loneliness and isolation, social isolation. Um, you know, the shifting nature of how we exist in community, in physical communities, in online communities. It's a very interesting time psychologically to think about how am I deriving a sense of passion or purpose from my life or my work. But it's, it's also a daunting time to be in the driver's seat of your own life, right? Like only you are responsible for making that happen. And that's a lot of work. That's a lot of energy. That's an advocacy task, right? It's about clarifying your vision, which is easier said than done and certainly takes time and energy and effort. And then being your best advocate in a world that doesn't always like women or people of color who advocate on their own behalf. So there's this you know, this this quagmire of, of unconscious bias that we're also up against when we go in to advocate for ourselves that makes it doubly tricky if you are the kind of person like me who, who gets a little perfectionistic about pleasing everybody. So it, it's about really making sure that it's okay to acknowledge that sometimes to please yourself over the long haul, you have to risk not pleasing everyone all the time. And that that boils down to being assertive, which is the, frankly, in my opinion, number one most important skill for women, especially, to master if we want to be leaders of our lives and in in our communities and in our workplaces.
2: Yeah. I'm wondering, you know, all of what you're saying is super, you know, inspirational in terms of thinking about crafting your own path and, uh, you know, coming up with what it is that you find compelling about why you're here and turning that into, uh, a pattern uh, in sure. terms of how you create a life for yourself and wh- what the product of that life is in that direction. Yeah. Um, if our listeners are feeling similarly inspired to how Patricia and I are right now, um, <laughs> what are some of the ways that you have seen really uh, work as first steps for women yeah. that you have helped sort of get on this path, like what are a few things that you would suggest our listeners do uh, to to start moving towards this? I know that you mentioned therapy as one uh, really yeah. good way to get connected with yourself. Are there other things that you think people might do uh, to help them get started?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to be too self-promotional here, but there is a tool that I developed in conjunction with a social scientist on my advisory board um, that is still my go-to tool for maintaining my own semblance of work-life balance and sort of creating a safe space for individual reflection because a lot of extroverts find themselves satisfied through talk therapy or talking it out with friends and a lot of introverts or folks who might process things through self-reflection in the form of journaling are better aided by their own sort of reflection time either way it's going to take time energy effort we have to be willing to pour into ourselves to invest in ourselves in that way but the tool I developed was really interesting because it takes a whole bunch of behavioral cognitive psychology and condenses it down to one um one worksheet essentially that I turned into a year-long planner I'm just going to bring this over here since you can see me but I know for our listeners who can't see this (laughs) Um, I still use my Life Tracker Planner, which is what it's called, the Bossed Up Life Tracker Planner, every single day. And what's beautiful about it is it forces you to set and reflect on your audacious goals at the beginning and, frankly, throughout the year on a quarterly basis. It comes with an accountability community in that we hop on a live virtual um, training together every quarter to sort of check in with each other and how are we doing when it comes to pursuing our goals personally and professionally. And then every single month, there's this one worksheet that it's really a methodology, this this one methodology that results in clarifying your top objectives across Work, love, wellness, and other goals like travel goals, personal finance goals, whatever doesn't neatly fit into those other three categories because whose life is that clear? But <laughs> it, it involves a bunch of tools from psychology around how women um, – we design this really with women in mind because women tend to experience higher rates of role overload, feeling pulled in multiple directions at once, or guilt – for not having achieved everything we set out to achieve, and so the specific ways that we plot these goals out and then um, look at the calendar ahead of the month and the the week ahead, it just leaves me feeling so much more proactive about my life and goals, and not constantly reacting to circumstance, to overwhelm, to. Uh, microaggressions or people sort of taking my time from me and that switch whether you use the boss up life tracker or any other goal tracking tool being proactive about setting boundaries so that you have the time and energy and space to clarify and then pursue and prioritize your goals that sense of proactivity equals agency It leaves you feeling like you are in the driver's seat of your life, and that is game-changing for anyone who wants to prevent burnout or just get in the, you know, be the boss, be the boss of their life and career.
0: Yeah, there's so much research behind it. Obviously, based on what you said, you did a lot of that research to build the life tracker. There's so much research behind what you're saying that, you know, setting those goals, doing that well, being able to achieve them, make yourself understand how you can achieve them so that you... See those steps and are able to yes. take those steps. Being proactive really helps people. Um, obviously, drive their career, drive their goals in terms of their life and their, um, you know, other personal goals. But also with wellness, it all comes down. You know, like we totally. obviously hear a lot about wellness, and when it comes down to it, if you're able to do that and really be proactive about things, your wellness does benefit from all of it. So yeah. you're going to prevent burnout, and you're going to feel a lot better. You're going to feel happier in your life yeah. and in your work. Um, if you're able to do that. So that's a that's a fun tool. I actually saw on uh, Instagram you've been taking votes on the cover of the next
1: one. Yes, right? our, next, <laughs> our 2020 Life Tracker planners are coming out very soon for pre-order. And we every year we pride ourselves on coming up with a few different gorgeous designs. And I'm really excited for the covers that we have planned for 2020. The theme of this year, 2019, has been year of fun. So we've been doing a lot of programming and um, focus on... Encouraging our women to prioritize fun as a strategy, (laughs) not only for happiness, but also increased creativity and productivity. And seeing fun is not a negative that detracts from your uh, career, but actually a positive that results in more creative problem solving and and, and just happiness and creativity overall. The next theme for 2020 that we're working on is, um, in a word, adventure. So we're encouraging women to embrace adventure and look and basically reframe the unexpected, (laughs) which is constantly happening to us, right? Always things are coming up. Every day things are coming up. And reframing that as, you know, instead of just problem solving, as sort of seeing it as an adventure and seeing your year ahead as – Uh, a grand adventure and planning for it and and getting excited about it, but also staying nimble, right? Staying on your toes emotionally and psychologically and career wise, staying nimble because frankly, the headlines aren't great for 2020 already. (laughs) And who knows when this supposed recession will hit because they've been talking about it in the press for over a year. But uh, if we are going to be dealing with some hardships, you know, your psychology can either help you or harm you and how you, how you bounce back from setbacks and how you frame bad things when it happens to you is just as important as the bad thing that happened. So adventure awaits in 2020 and our covers this year reflect that mood and that vibe in a classic bust up way, which is really, really fun and fresh. And I'd love for your listeners to check them out because they're going to be for sale very soon at bossedup.org slash shop um, awesome yeah
0: resiliency is a big theme that's what it sounds like so really going yes. resiliency
1: <laughs> absolutely absolutely and it's yeah. funny. i love how you two hear all the research behind what i'm what i'm doing <laughs> everything i do <laughs> all the choices we make are very research driven um and i try to use language that's like you said as approachable and preferably fun as possible <laughs>
2: Yeah. We, we're we are trained. Yeah. We're trained to hear those pieces. It's great. <laughs> I love so, it. <laughs> it. Is there uh, anything else that you uh, want our listeners to know about how to find you or uh, things that they should check out before we move on to our final fun question? For Ooh, you?
1: Yeah. Honestly, the best way to get up to speed with the whole bossed up journey and the company and the community I've built is is if you find yourself wanting to be proactive about plotting out your next steps for your career in life or really feel like you're drowning and you're burning out and you want a a no bullshit guide to getting out of burnout and being your own best advocate, my new book Bossed Up is the place to start. It's available on Amazon. It's at Barnes and Nobles. It's at a bunch of independent bookstores and you can learn all about it at bossedup.org book. So I highly recommend you start there and I'll get you up to speed and there's an online community to join at bossedup.org while you're there and I'd love to be friends. Perfect.
0: We are your friends so everyone (laughs) can join us and all be friends (laughs) together. Yeah absolutely. Um, Yeah the Facebook group is great. I mean there's there's a lot of really awesome stuff out there so um, we'll link to everything for all of our listeners so they can find you and Bossed Up and and get involved. Awesome. Yeah so the final fun question is what was your dream job as a kid or really what did
1: you want to be when you grow up? It's very interesting. So up until chemistry in my junior (laughs) year of of high school, I was certain that I wanted to be a doctor. Um, Turns out my brain and chemistry, they did not get along. And not that I couldn't (laughs) have figured it out, I'm sure, but uh, it turns out the social sciences were way more up my alley. And it's funny You know, the other concurrent dream I had, besides being a, you know, prolific doctor, was to be a Broadway actress. And in some ways, I feel like it makes sense that I'm now a public speaker and I, you know, take all this research as it relates to how to better your life and help people and essentially provide the infotainment at conferences and companies to inform but also inspire and hopefully entertain folks for workshops and keynotes that I deliver across the country, so I, I feel like seven-year-old Emily would be proud of where I'm at these <laughs> days, and that makes me happy. Science,
2: <laughs> science on Broadway by Emily. Yes, Mary's.
1: <laughs> what a combination! <laughs> Maybe that's what we should start working on—the Hamilton of positive psychology. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> That'd perfect. Be awesome. Now we just need someone to write the music. Because oh yeah, my gosh, right.
1: Allie, our producer, she has a music yeah. degree. There that's we go. There you <laughs> go. Dream team. Got oh, it. Call. Mark my words. It's, you heard yep, it here first folks
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> if Lynn manuel Miranda is listening <laughs> coming soon
0: <laughs> I love it
2: well thank you so much for being with us Emily we really really appreciate it this has been awesome we know our listeners will love learning more about you um, and we just are really grateful for your time
1: likewise thanks so thank much you so- for having me Katina and Patricia it's been a blast shout out to all the worker being bees out there uh, I'm excited to to stay connected Thank you so much
0: to Emily for joining us. We really appreciated her time. She has a really awesome community on Bossed Up. So please go check her out at bossedup.org. Her social media is also bossedup.org. So we'll include all the links in the show notes. So feel free to go in there. And of course, we'd love to hear from you as well. So you can find us at workerbeing.com. You can email us at workerbeing at gmail.com and on social media at workerbeing. Thanks. The Worker Being podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabar and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson.